if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. What is going on, my friend? You live in the uh, you live in the communist state of is it communist still or is it free now? (laughs) Yeah, by your standards, I would say it probably is. Good old Southern California over here. SoCal, SoCal. We're in Nashville. It's uh, it's dark. It's rainy, but it's got its own beauty to it uh, because the city is just uh, the city is amazing. If you're listening to this, this is the very first episode of the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast. And uh, maybe we could take just a few minutes to introduce ourselves and give a little bit of backstory, what people can expect. And then we've got a doozy of an episode today about the real categories of wealth that people should pay attention to in their business. Um, Mike, who are you? How do you, how do you know what you're doing? And why are you on this show? <laughs> why people am I know, here? What people don't know is this is an interview for Mike. We're interviewing oh, Mike. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Got it. Got it. All right. Let me put my interview my interview hat on. Uh, hey, guys. What's going on? My name is Mike Walker. Um, I am officially the Client Services Director here at Welch Equities and uh, excited to be on with you guys. Um, my background is varied and over a course of more than two decades in the entrepreneurial space, building multiple businesses across multiple different industries. Um, I won't go through the whole gamut there, but um, the benefit of that, and I guess kind of what I get excited about in the world of business and in consulting in general, is just being able to apply creativity, ideas, um, systems, methodologies from my very background and bring them over into businesses. And um, that's what keeps me going. That's what you know makes my brain tick, my creativity. And um, that's what I'm excited to do. So I dig uh, dig all things business development, and um, that's that's what I spend my time thinking about mostly. If it's not reading about it, I'm probably thinking about it. And you're like, did you just post the other day that you're like 20 years in or 15 years in? When was your first company? Yeah, so 27 years actually. Oh so my goodness, I started my first business in high school, man. So I'm starting to age myself here. You can do the math. I won't have to do it so- for you. So what Mike is saying is he went to college with Andrew Carnegie, uh, <laughs> and you. What was it like seeing the railroads go go down? Oh come on, man! <laughs> Just kidding. Twenty seven years. Although I, I'm, I'm not. Um, I, I do think it's funny that I like. I used to have a pager. You know, like there, there's those types of. <laughs> I was like a baller because I had a pager, and none of my friends did. I was like on the cutting edge. Yeah, Let, let's not go yeah. too far down the road. Dude, this this is where it gets so fascinating because, like, when the main like modicum or medium of marketing was like mail, physical mail. Yep. That was when probably you were getting started. Yep. Yep. I I grew up, um, you know, sharpened my my uh, tool set um with you know bob proctor you know steve covney like you name it all the john maxwell i've seen those guys live in person jim Rohn, like 
I've been there, done that, taken a lot of notes. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to meet a lot of those guys. I got to spend some pretty good time with them, actually. So they're the goats, um, man. They're yeah. the goats. Um, uh, my name, I'm Taylor Welch, and I got started uh, about 20, 23 years after, 22 years after Mike did. Actually, my first client was in 2014. My first client was my wife. And uh, that was interesting. And I would advise that if you are building a business, you uh, try to get outside of the familial unit for your client acquisition because client services doesn't work the same way when you're sleeping with them, uh, which is a lesson that I learned very early. And uh, I got good at the game of people, marketing, business. Um, I, we can go into this later. I think we should have a proper episode at, at some point just about our upbringing. And I think that people's lives are threaded together perfectly in hindsight. When you look back in hindsight, everything happens for a reason. It happens at the right time in the right way. Um, and from the years 2015, which is when I started the first consultancy to 2021-ish, 2022, um, I've had several thousand clients, hundreds of thousands of customers. I've gotten to be with some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, that are doing the coolest stuff ever. And what I can say right now is that I love the game more than I've ever loved the game before. The opportunity we have with the internet, with the different types of technology that are coming online, when we look at AI, me and Mike constantly are chatting about ways to utilize new technology in our businesses. There's never been a more opportune time for you to do what you want to do and do it in the right way. But it's never been easier to lose the plot. I think that that is due to social media. And I was listening to, um, I think it was uh, Jordan Peterson who said this, Mike. He's like, humans aren't designed to carry the net stress of the entire world at the same time. I think 100, 200, 300 years ago, something bad would happen somewhere else and we would never know about it. We, were, we would deal with stress and trauma and fatigue and setback every couple of years we would have something crazy but now a hurricane happens we we don't need to live there and we feel the net stress of it uh, mm -hmm. earthquake happens something happens in some country somewhere and it's almost like social media has given us this great gift and this great curse at the same time of being constantly weighed down by the pressures of everyone else and uh one of the things i've 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 discovered is that you can get all the money that you want, you can get all the, the accolades that you want, all the fame, all of the success, but if you don't know what matters to you, none of it's going to make a difference. So that's why this first episode is titled, Don't Get Rich Until You Hear This. And uh, whether you're already there, seven, eight, nine figures, whether you're trying to get there, we have different frameworks and models that we use to help our clients uh, advance in business. But the number one model that we use is properly setting the definition of wealth and our tagline for this particular podcast and company wealthy consultant is redefining wealth mike do you have anything to add to that before we get into the different categories or buckets yeah absolutely man i mean one of the biggest things and i know i've had to monitor my my own self with this is you know the exposure to all the other people's ideas and everything that's out there, like you said, the just the net stress that builds from being exposed or having 
the visuals of everything that's out there on social media. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic about social media. But the point being is it's very easy to impress upon your mind what success looks like based on other people's opinions. And yeah. the, the brain thinks in pictures, you know, and so as you're scrolling, you're just impressing upon your human computer what this is, what this is. You have to be very conscious of the content you let into your brain, into your subconscious, because that will absolutely start to define what you think success is. And then you start realizing that I'm chasing something that maybe is, where did I come up with that idea? Why, why is that considered success? And if you really stop and slow down to think about that, I'd say a lot of people would probably realize that maybe some of those beliefs that they hold aren't even their own. Yeah, dude, we talked about this on, um, I think it was just Monday on the arena talk about what you think is good or bad doesn't come from your beliefs. It comes from what's good and bad to the people around you. Yep. Environment. This can, this can be great. It can also be devastating. I mean, it can be great yeah. because you can never before have we been in a, in a context as a culture or a species where you can literally climb the mountain is like in a week based on the people you surround yourself with. Like if you can get around people who make the amount of money that you want to make and you begin to believe that's normal, that's one of the fastest and highest leverage ways for you to make the money you want to make. But at the same time, never before has it been so dangerous for us to absorb the negative belief systems of the people around us. I got caught in that same trap that you're talking about right now. Yeah, um, I think we all have. Yeah, all of us, except for Jesus. Jesus figured it out, man. True statement. Somehow, truer words A rebel. Have, truer words have never been spoken. All right, let's define. <laughs> let's let's go into this thing, dude. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about the six categories of wealth. People are resonating with this hardcore because, and you'll see you'll see us email or post about it. And I know you've seen this and you've resonated with this. And I've I've been challenged by it. But everyone chases the the pretty penny and everyone chases the money. Um, do you have any stories about how you learned this, or was it just twenty seven years of compounding lessons? You know, it's, um, what do they call it? Like S-curve learning, right? You think you've figured it out and it's you start making changes and you see significant, you know, results from those changes, but then that kind of plateaus out and you're like, wow, now I've kind of reached this baseline. You know, I've kind of normalized where I'm at and now you, you got to kind of question, okay, well, what's next? I think the biggest takeaway for me is um, how critical it is to understand that all six of these components work together. You can't excel in one. I know you speak about this all the time. Like you cannot excel in one and think that the others don't matter because yeah. they all interlink and they will inevitably, you know, how's that saying go? You're not going to raise to the highest heights of your abilities, but you're going to kind of fall to the baseline of your, you know, your, your standards. Right. And so the standards of these six categories, I think is critical because they'll all kind of you know, find your baseline there. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Number one, there's six categories of wealth and uh, they're not necessarily in particular order, but I've found that the order should change based on the season and what you're trying to achieve and fix in the moment. Category number one is health and physicality. Uh, if you get rich and you get fat and die, you have likely made a bad trade. But it sounds really obvious when you say it that way, because it's like, well, duh. But how many people do you know personally? Like, I know hundreds of these people who they are chasing growth in their business so hard and they are 
damaging almost irreversibly their health and their energy as a byproduct. True statement. Yeah. I'd say that's almost become the norm. And in some cases, if you're not doing that, it's almost looked poorly upon in some environments. Yeah. You don't want it bad enough. Yeah, exactly. Which is silly because the, the mind is controlled by the body and the body is controlled by the mind and it's a circuit. And, uh, you know, the, the fastest way for you to improve the acuity of your mind is in most cases is to improve the physicality of your body and improve the health and improve the way that your your body produces energy so health and physicality is number one it should be prioritized it should be talked about it should be tracked i think you should track everything are you a tracker you track stuff a lot don't you i do yeah by day and what i've done daily yep it's part of the game what gets measured gets done yeah people make fun of you you've heard our team make fun of me for this like (laughs) i'm like yo why don't you track everything yeah i I don't know i love data man numbers don't lie that's right number two uh mental fortitude what's this one (laughs) health and physicality is number one mental fortitude is number two um, I tend to rate this this mental fortitude bucket, if you will, of wealth based on the amount of learning that's happening. You know, hum, human beings, I, I was meeting with a psychotherapist in the summer of 2022. This guy runs one of the biggest education consultancies in the world. He's an old man, very successful. But you know, if you, if someone has gotten old and they are successful, it means that they've gotten beat up. Many times you can always rest assured that if you have somebody old, who's still, who's still successful and still has a head on their shoulders, you know, they've been through the ringer and figured out how to, how to deal with the fire. And he said, human beings have one source of confidence in one source only. So I've studied them all. He wrote the curriculum for like most of the lower education, uh, school systems in texas and even up into california they use them as an advisor and he said the way that human beings get confidence is skill acquisition that's it he's like do you have any kids i said yeah i got a three and a half year old little girl about to have a son and he said does she know how to like write her name and stuff and i was like no not really but she's learning and he said do you see her light up when she can count to five or when she learns how to say someone's name or when she learns how to do something brand new, their eyes light up and they get this identity hit because confidence comes through the acquisition of skill set. And mental fortitude for me is I want to stack my life, my weeks, my months, my days, so that I am acquiring skills, information, education, understanding, wisdom, all of these things. And the mind becomes impenetrable over time as you teach yourself this central tenet. I can learn anything at any time. When you believe that, you become unstoppable. Would, mm. would you say that that's true? Yeah, I mean, we're hardwired to learn. In my, you know, I firmly believe that we're here on this earth for purpose. Uh, it's not by random chance. And when you start to live in alignment with those you know, thoughts and beliefs and pursue the knowledge that it takes to achieve why you're yeah. here, I think you naturally get that 
like you said, the identification starts to trigger and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here for a reason. And it just propels you forward through everything else. You know, that's where energy comes from is in alignment with what you're here for. 100% health, physicality, mental fortitude. You know, we can give some tips as we go along. If we want to health for me is um, I'll go to the gym every day. I try to sleep seven hours a night, try to wake up on time, mental fortitude. I'm trying to read for 45 minutes a day and I want to teach something every single day. Cause I think that the way the, the way the human mind picks up skills is first you grab it, then you teach it. Number three on the categories or buckets of wealth is emotional well-being. Emotional well-being. You've got the mental fortitude and then you have the emotional well-being. I don't know, Mike, if you've ever been in a situation where you know you have the skills to do something, you have the intellect to do something, but you're just feeling so tired you don't really care. Yeah, there's the emotional quotient to everything, man. And this is a perfect example of how, how interconnected these things are. You can be as smart as you want, but if you don't have the emotional fortitude to um, align with what you know and actually put it into play, I'd say this is a problem that a lot of people face, right? They know things. They know what they should be doing, and yet they don't do it. So what's that? Yeah. It's the fuel. Emotion is the fuel. Yeah, 100%. Have you, um, have you done any work for... You have an, an extreme level of emotional intelligence. Uh, did you have to read to, to figure this out or how did you develop this? Books, man, lots of books and a lot of uh, hard knocks along the way. You know, I think there's there's something that can't be replicated or, or absorbed in books. You just have to kind of live through it. But um, naturally, you know, the more tuned in you can get through learning from others, that's only going to accelerate things. But yeah, I yeah. think there is such a thing as just life experience. I know that's not the sexy answer, but it's probably the truth. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point is you can always tell the people who uh, the, the way that I can tell whether someone has true emotional well-being and the fortitude of not only the mind, but of the, the heart. A lot of times it requires pain and it requires setback. And you can read a book about someone losing money. But until you lose the money, you don't feel the lesson. And yeah. this is really important. And I've spent, I've spent the, a large part of my career trying to avoid the not only failure, but all appearances of failure. And one of the things I learned is that it, it stripped me of my emotional well-being. The thing that brought emotional certainty to my life was dealing with the pain, experiencing the failure, and deciding to grow through it. And uh, we have a civilization and a society, to be honest, that has been protected and incubated so much from so many different pain points and problems that we have adults that are like children emotionally. Yep. So don't be, don't be one of those people. Health, mental fortitude, emotional well-being. Number four, finance and money. When people think about wealth, they almost exclusively think about finances and money. But mm -hmm. I think that finances and money is really just a, a disposable asset. It's a renewable asset. It's almost like a commodity if you really think about it. Yeah, I tell this story at events and I remember one of the team put some one of these snippets on TikTok and I got literally roasted by a million people. They thought I was so stupid, but it's <laughs> jokes on them because it's freaking true. Like when's the last time you woke up in the morning 
and your car is low on gas and you are just in anxiety and paranoia and trauma and getting triggered because you're like, what if I can't get gas for the vehicle? Hopefully that's never happened. Mike, you're looking like you, that might've happened recently. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I've, I've had a time. <laughs> no, you stop. I know where you're side, going. You stop in the gas station and you put gas yeah. in your car and then you move on. But when people think about money as this, this emotional, like spiritual thing and, and they get so nervous about it and it becomes such a, a big constraint in their lives. When finances is, is, is a disposable commodity, it's something that you can get more of. There's so much money in the world, especially now. There's more money in the world than, than there's ever been. And Literally. so you, you have a responsibility, I think, to be wealthy. Let's just get that out of the way. I think that if you want to be who you've been called to be, Mike, you said everyone's put on this earth for a purpose. Your purpose that you were put on this earth is likely not to be poor. And that's not derogatory. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that it, if you can't go and bless an organization that you care about, if you can't donate to some nonprofit that's important to you, if you can't pay for someone's dinner, the other day I was driving to pick up uh, dinner for my wife who is like 36 weeks pregnant. And so when she says, go get dinner, you just get in your car and you race. No questions asked to bring back food yes uh and so we're i'm driving and i'm about to pick up the food and there's somebody who is uh has a sign and he's he's homeless and for whatever reason i just felt compassion he had a little dog with him and i had a hundred dollar kroger gift card for this purpose and you know gave him a hundred dollar kroger gift card so he could go get groceries or whatever and you've got to realize that i'm not telling i'm not telling the story so that people will feel feel better about me because I don't it doesn't matter to me I'm telling the story because I think some people listening to this are dealing with the fear of money and the fear of not having enough and the fear of poverty and do you know that one of the number one tools you have when you feel like you do not have enough is to give to someone else who has less than you do and it changes it changes the story in your own head but you know what you have to be able to do to get that hundred dollar Kroger gift card you have to have a hundred dollars it doesn't help anybody if you have nothing. Exactly. It's worth the effort. It doesn't make you a capitalist pig. It doesn't make you crooked. It makes you a, a benefit to other people. Any thoughts on this? Because I could literally go on and on forever. Me you too, You have to interrupt man. me, dude. Okay, well, this is a off. big one. This is a big one, man. Um, you know, again, going back to the point that each of these six categories of wealth are interconnected. You cannot remove one without it impacting the other. And money and emotions are like such a blaring example of that you know people have all of these thoughts beliefs you know instilled or, or created on their own and it dramatically changes the trajectory of their life based on the decisions and the thoughts that they have when it comes to money you know so many people i know are like well i i think a lot of people believe that somehow it's a bad thing to want to be wealthy they're like well that's that's not important you know there's more important things than being wealthy but to taylor's point well, who can you help when you're poor? You can't, you're in survival mode. So now you're actually, it's more selfish to be, you know, poor in some ways, if you have the ability to get out of that, because look, yeah. you know, if I'm poor and I'm struggling and I can barely put food on my table, well, I'm certainly not going to be able to help anybody else. Right. So that's where I think, you know, aspiring to be wealthy 
in all aspects of life is critical, but then the ability to have money and then give it away. If you want something, give it away. And it's crazy. It's, it's one of those um, magic quantum physics, you know, quantum entanglement things. It's weird. And I've tested it and I've literally tested it over and over and it's legitimately science. It's not theory. It's actually science. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Number five, spiritual wealth, spiritual wealth. We've got health and physicality, mental fortitude, emotional well-being, finance and money. And we have spiritual, um, the spiritual, you can tell when someone is spiritually aligned because they have power that does not equal what they're saying. I've noticed this. I've, I've, I was sitting in a, in a conference room one time in San Diego, uh, your neck of the woods, or at least closer than Nashville is. <laughs> Just a bit. And this woman came on stage and she started talking and I started crying. And I, don't, I was like, what is the matter with me right now? She wasn't saying anything profound. She wasn't going after it. She, you know, you can tell when you can tell when the mind is moved and then you can tell when the heart is moved and the mind is typically moved by intellect. Somebody is presenting a pitch or making a case and it is intellectually stimulating. You can tell when the heart is moved because there is someone speaking about a story or sadness, or you can feel it. Like when you listen to like Ed Milet, he like moves the heart. He was moving the heart around his book, The Power of One More. It's moving your heart. But then every once in a while, someone moves your soul. And you're like, how did you do that? Like they're moving not only the heart, but they're moving the mind, the heart, the spirit, the room, everything at the same time. And some of you probably, people are listening to this, like what the hell is this dude even talking about? And it's like, there is a spiritual power that comes from alignment. And we are like, we are spiritual first and physical second. I don't know. Uh, what people believe, whether it's you know God or the universe or whatever it is that you believe, but there is such a thing as spiritual health, meditation, prayer, all of these things people do is to really line up and get into alignment. I would say the byproduct of spiritual health is really alignment. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I would say this is the foundation of everything. It truly is because, like you said, we're humans, you know, finite in nature, but. Um, spiritual beings which are infinite and so there's a weird dichotomy there and it's really easy to get so wrapped up in the physical that you forget the spiritual and as soon as you forget the spiritual it's like a foundation right it starts cracking and everything else starts folding underneath it and yep. um this is one that yeah you can you can fake it for a while you can ignore it for a while but just like any foundation of a house or whatever analogy you want to give it you ignore it for too long and it's going to catch up with you real quick Yep, hundred percent. And it's expensive Indeed. to ignore. Yeah, it is. We could talk about that. We could talk about that on another show. Yeah, we could probably document the cost that they go into that. Number six. What's number six, sir? What's number six? Family. Family. Oh, Ohana means family. Yep, yep. I would attribute. This again is being, at least for me, my why, right? The things that push you forward and you can look around and when you're surrounded by family, when you're surrounded by the people you love and family doesn't have to be like, you know, blood, even family. When I say family, I'm thinking, you know, like yeah. you and Gabe's and people on the team, right? Like family, the people that you're around daily that you connect with. Um, it's critical. 
It's uh, because the people you hang around with are going to define where you're going to, just like we talked about before, your environment. So family is a big one. You got to have the right family. If you don't like your DNA family, you need to go find the right family outside. And I think a lot of people maybe don't think about that or they don't realize they can do that, but you don't have to be defined by the family you were born into. You can actually go find a new family if you need to. Some people aren't blessed to be born into a family that supports them and wants to help them become wealthy and in all areas of life, right? So if that's not the case, then you need to kind of go, okay, well, I need to go find family that's going to support me on the journey I want to be on, not the one I was born into necessarily. Yeah, dude. Hashtag Prince Harry. Yeah. It's got to roll. Family requires investment. This is a big one. Like a lot of, a lot of times entrepreneurs, they are so driven, like almost maniacally so. And it's interesting because if you ask an entrepreneur, what's the most important part of your life? They're going to be like my wife or my husband, my kids, my family, you know, like the people that I'm doing it with and the people I'm doing it for. And then if you ask them, what's the number one investment of your time? Their family is usually at the bottom. Mm. And so we end up trading these things and we're trading the things that we say are the most important, hoping that it will be there. I, we were on that. We were on a call yesterday. Mike. And, I know. I was uh, just thinking about this. You know, she, th- somebody was like, my previous coach said, you know, your family will always be there. Now's the time to grind. What a piece of shit. Like, yeah. It's, not, it's actually the most awful advice. And you can just tell that that person is setting their family up uh, for crises and trauma. And I'm like, dude, I feel sorry for that coach's kids. Like, I, I yeah. hate that for them because they're going to grow up without the level of connection that they really need to develop. And I think that you don't have to do this. Sometimes people think it's a dichotomy, but it's not, it's not necessarily a choice that has to be made. The, the theme of our curriculum is both and not either, or if you don't feel like you can do both. And it just means you don't have the requisite skill set to do both. And, and you should learn how to do that or else you're going to be stuck perpetually in this weird dichotomy of having to choose. You do I, do I eat food or do I make money? They think of how stupid that is. Mm. You know, food will always be there. Just build your business, bro. You dead. You're going to starve to death. But that's how we do with things that are way, way more long lasting and durable than food. It's, it's your family. I think it's, yeah. it's a bad trait, you know? Yeah. And I think it's the, the nature of people wanting to chase things that they don't have. And maybe not necessarily putting, ascribing enough value to the things that have always been there. So that, you know, oh, well, I was born here and my family's here and my kids are always there when I go to home, you know, go home. So they, they don't put the value on it because it's attainable. It's right there in front of you. It's really hard, you know, especially as entrepreneurs that you're driven, you're goal orientated, you're constantly on the search and uh, for, for what you don't yet have. Right. But when it's right there in front of you, it's, you got to just keep checking yourself and making sure that you're putting the value where it is and being thankful for what you got, you know, being thankful for what you have doesn't mean that you're not going to be motivated to go achieve more, but you ignore it. They're not going to be there. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, cool guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, real quick, do us two things. If you don't mind, two things is all we ask. Number one, leave us a review because this is a brand new show. Uh, we're doing this for you guys. And I think this has turned into a lot of fun. As we build up the base, we've got interviews of of other successful consultants, coaches, trainers in the industry that are going to be coming on. We are going to interview clients. We're going to be talking, me and Mike, with our team as well. 
uh, and just talking about different ways that you can not only survive, but thrive and crush and not do so at the expense of what matters the most uh, over the next couple of years. If you would like, we have a gift for you. Go to consultingmemo.com slash podcast. We'd like to give you a free issue. Speaking of family, this is a, a breakdown of the model that we use for our consulting companies. Uh, and ironically enough, I learned it from my daughter. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Consultingmemo.com slash podcast. Mike, any last words before we sign off? You know, just, just to um, highlight the fact that you got to have all of them, man, the six categories. Like I, I've been there, done that. I've found myself failing in a couple and doing well in others and then realizing that the failing aspects were far more expensive than anything that I would have lost by trying to become better and bigger and, you know, in finances, for example, right? So don't chase wealth financially with at the sacrifice of everything else. Like you've got to do it the, the right way, the holistic way. And that's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. So I just encourage you you know, write it down, six categories of wealth. Where, what's the weakest one? Address the weakest one because that's you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link. 100%. All right, see you guys next time. See you guys.